You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors on staff. I get to speak to you today as we continue our series called Firm Foundation. If you look around the room, uh, there's a, a little bit fewer people in the room in this service. Last service was packed because apparently there's a game that's going on. Uh, about noon. So, uh, so I appreciate that you are the, you truly are the spiritual ones. You don't care about the game. You, you know, you know, you're about God's things. You're not about all, all these earthly things and pigskin and all this stuff that's going on. So I'm glad that you're here this morning. Uh, listen, I'm gonna, I'll let you know about it. Just a couple of things before we jump into our message today. Uh, we, we do a book of the month. I make a recommendation because uh, we believe that it's so important for us to feed ourselves with life-giving material, faith-building material. And if we allow uh, media to feed us, whether it's TV or social media or anything else, oftentimes what we'll end up consuming with, uh, without realizing we'll just consume all kinds of thoughts from the world, from the enemy. Uh, and what we have to do is we have to make sure that we're actually feeding ourselves things that will feed our spirit, that will strengthen us. Uh, and so I make a recommendation every month. This month's recommendation in February is uh, called Why I Am Still Surprised by the Voice of God by Jack Deere. This is a, a book that he wrote some uh, years ago, but has just recently re-released it, rewritten it. Uh, the reason I want to mention it to you this morning is, is that uh, this book in particular is about how God speaks to his people. And I know a lot of times for many of us, we, it takes us a while to figure out, well, how, how in the world do I hear God's voice? Especially when people come and up, up to uh, the pulpit and they say stuff like, well, the Lord spoke to me, this thing. And you're going, well, the Lord spoke to you? I mean, did he, did he sit down? Did, what, what, did, did he appear to you? Did you hear a voice? Sometimes that can feel difficult, uh, and we're not really sure how to hear the Lord's voice. So Jack Deere really dives into that. How is it that God speaks to his people today? I've never heard audibly the voice of God uh, say to me, you know, Andrew, I've got a message for you. I mean, that's, you know, the, the Lord speaks to me through his word through impressions, through prayer. I get a sense of what he's doing. Uh, and, and I'm learning more and more how to hear his voice uh, and how to distinguish his voice from my own thoughts. Uh, this book will help you do that. It speaks about the prophetic, men, uh, it speaks about the prophetic, speaks about hearing God's voice, uh, many, many good things. We've got a couple copies left uh, today out at guest services. If you want to grab one of those, of course, you can get them on Amazon, listen to it on Audible, uh, and, uh, and build yourself up in that way. One of the reasons I picked this book for this month Month is because in the month of February, we have a special weekend that's coming up that I want to make sure that's kind of on your radar. Uh, it's the weekend of February 17th through 19th. We're holding what we're calling a prophetic summit. Uh, and I've invited two uh, pastors who have unique and powerful prophetic giftings to be with us that weekend. Uh, Pastor John John Wilkins uh, from uh, San Francisco and Pastor Eric Butler, who's from New Jersey. They're going to fly in, uh, and they're going to minister together uh, to us as a church the entire weekend. It's going to be an awesome weekend, uh, and I want to make sure that you don't miss um, what's going to happen. So uh, there's a couple of different things that are going on. I just want to put them uh, in your awareness. You can register for the workshop that's happening on Saturday morning, the 18th. Uh, it's from 9.30 to 12. It's called a prophetic workshop. John John's going to do that. Uh, and he's going to be teaching about the gift of the prophetic. What, what is 
the prophetic? How does it work? How is it designed to bless God's church? How do you hear God's voice? What are some of the uh, things that we do when we're ministering to people? Whether you are very experienced or whether you're going, what in the world are you talking about, Andrew, the prophetic? What is that thing? All, uh, wh wherever you fall in that spectrum, I want to encourage you, you will leave that workshop with an, a greater understanding of the fact that God wants to speak to his people. He wants to speak through his people, that the way that the church is built up is actually through the gift of prophecy. It's what the scripture says, is that prophecy is to build up, it's to edify uh, the church. And so I'm going to encourage you, you can register for that workshop today through the Church Center app. Uh, you can tell people about it. There's no charge, but you definitely want to register. It's already uh, filling up with lots of people, and that's going to be a great time together. That evening, we're going to have a meeting, uh, a service. Uh, we don't normally have Saturday evening services, but I want to uh, invite you to this one. Particularly, I want you to think about friends and neighbors that you would invite to come uh, to the service on Saturday night because it is going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. Sometimes when people uh, think about the prophetic or prophets coming in, everybody gets all worried like they're going to call you out and have you stand up and start talking to you about all the sins that are in your life, right? Anybody ever have that thought? Oh, geez, what if he... That, that's not how they operate because the prophetic is, in fact, to encourage and build up the church. And what you're going to see as they come and minister, they're gonna, we're going to have the minister to some specific individuals and then some people certainly in the congregation uh, who are moving into different seasons of ministry. They're stepping into more responsibility. Uh, what you're going to see, and what I'm always amazed at when, when God speaks prophetically to his people is how much God cares about every single individual, how much he loves his children, and how much he is concerned with every detail of their lives. Uh, and and you're gonna, your faith is going to be inspired. Uh, you're going to see how the prophetic works, how God wants to speak to his people, how he wants to equip them for the next season that they're in. You're going to leave that service inspired and encouraged. And the reason I tell you to invite your friends, especially invite friends who maybe are spiritual, but they're not so sure about Jesus or church or anything else, just talk to them about how, hey, God, these, these guys hear from the Lord, and they're going to read people's mail. We're going to hear God speak to people tonight. Have them come out. What they will discover is they want more of Jesus. They're going to discover, wow, if that's God and if that's how God operates, I want more of that. So kind of put that on your calendar on February 18th. I think that service is at 630, it says there. Uh, and, uh, and don't miss that because it's going to be really, really good. Lastly, I just want to make sure if you're not signed up for my email newsletter, uh, that I send out to me and, and other staff. It's not just mine. Uh, every Friday, I send out a weekly email. Uh, it, it gives sometimes a little devotional, a little heads up about what's happening that weekend. It's got a place where there's some announcements on what's coming up. You can register for all these kinds of things. If you don't get that, I want to encourage you to sign up for it. You can go to the website. Uh, and you go to connect and you just put your email address in and then you, you'll, you'll get those emails every week. It's a good way to get a heads up about what's happening, uh, to hear my heart as a pastor, I believe what the Lord's speaking to us. Uh, you can just delete the emails and put them in a spam mailbox, but it'll make me, me feel better if, if you actually put your email in there uh, and get updated every week. Okay, we're in a series called Firm Foundation. If you would grab one of these cards, I think we still have some of the seat backs in front of you. If not, well, we're going to, by faith, hope that they're there. Uh, see if, they, if there's a card like this, pull it out. Uh, every other seat or so, you might have to share them. Uh, and if, How many of you got these? 
Wave them at me. Wave them at me. Okay. All right. They're good. Good, 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 good. Uh, I, I want to encourage you, if you got one of these uh, and you don't have one, feel free to take this home with you. It's our reminder of what we're about as a church. It's at the beginning of the year, what we're doing is we're reestablishing ourselves on our foundation. We don't want to live by accident. We're not here by accident. God has a plan for Koinonia Church. He has something for you to do inside of Koinonia Church. He's designed this church to be a blessing for the community. And we don't want to live by accident. We want to live by on purpose, and that's what we're talking about in this series, Firm Foundation. You can take this card home, uh, and as uh, Dick Mills used to say, put it either on your fridge or in your Bible, whichever one you open more often. Uh, and uh, it'll just be a reminder for you of, uh, of what we're about. So would you just read with me, if you have a card, you can read at the top there, or it'll be on the screen here as well. Would you read our statement with me? We are igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all. That's very good. Would you, would you do it with me just a little bit louder all together? Now, we are igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all. That's what we are called to do as a church. We're not called just to get together and huddle in some kind of holy huddle in these four walls and, and hunker down and hide from the world and encourage one another. We are actually called to be a force that ignites faith within the community, that, that as we go out from this place, that we would inspire in others a, a faith that says, God is alive, he's working, he can change my life, he can break through impossible situations. He's a God of answers, he's a God of hope, he's a God of the future, he has a plan and purpose for us. And that's the kind of church that we're called to be. And so we have to have that alive inside of ourselves. We have to have something actually that's on fire inside of us, because if we're not actually on fire, we're not going to ignite anything in anyone. And I want to be the kind of person, and I want you to be the kind of person who, as you go out into your family and your school and your workplace and this community, that you would just carry within you such a powerful sense of God's presence, of his goodness, and that your faith would be inspirational to others, that it would ignite others, that they would say, man, I want what you have. I'm going to invite uh, Rick to come up. Rick Vickers is a part of our church. He's been here for a long time. He's on the security team actually this morning. Uh, and so if you're going to steal something, now's a good time to do it because he's up on stage. Uh, no, please don't do that. But he, he shared with me something this morning uh, about igniting contagious faith that I just wanted him to share with you. I thought it was so good. So would you share? So uh, he was talking that the book is about how God speaks to pe his people. This is how God spoke to me. I was out on a walk, my morning walk. I walked by a school, a rainy day, and just praying. I just hadn't been hearing God's voice. It's so hard for me to hear it sometimes. And I was just praying God to speak to me. And I want to go in this ministry and that. And I didn't know what to do. And, and right then I saw these kids all kind of gathered on a corner. And the water had flooded the street so bad that they couldn't get off the corner. It was just they were trapped. And they didn't know how to go, you know. So... Um, I just kind of stood there and watched him for a little while, and, and uh, so little, the littlest girl in the group, man, she just backed up all of a sudden and took off running. And I mean, full bore, she hit that curb and leaped, just a leap of faith, man, and I just thought, that girl is just awesome, and of course, she didn't make it. She made it about two... <laughs> About two-thirds of the way, she splashed down in about three inches of water, and, and I thought, oh, poor thing, you know, but you know what? The most amazing thing happened. God showed me that, that leap of faith that he's going to cover you, and uh, when she landed, you know what happens when you stomp your foot in water, right? The water just all splashes out. The water's gone, splashed out away from her, and her momentum from that leap carried her to her next step, which was on dry land. Man, she's on the other side of that thing on dry land, not a drop of water on her. She's got both hands in the air, and she's screaming, Yahoo, and just praising the Lord. 
And God just showed me that that was the narrow gate that she went through. She went through that narrow gate. And God says that only a few people can get through that narrow gate. Many, many are called, but Jesus is the only way. And you have to take the leap of faith toward Jesus to get there. And then when you do that, what do you think the rest of those kids did? You guys know, right? Every single one of them, man, they all backed up and boom, they took off and every one of them jumped and every one of them hit that water and every one of them got to the other side and they were all dry and they're all hooting and hollering. And I just like, God, that's heaven right there. That's everybody just hallelujah for Jesus, you know, because she took that leap of faith. And God told me that there's people here today that sit in the back, that sit in the sides, that, that have been here for a little while and have been wanting to know Jesus but haven't come forward, um, you take the leap of faith, God's saying. People that, that just want to be in a ministry, you know, children's ministry. God, I feel like I should go, but I don't know. You know, that's the Spirit in you. That's the Holy Spirit telling you to do that. Just do it. Just get up. Take that leap of faith. Get in a journey group. You, you walk by and you look at them. You want to do it. God's calling us to take a leap of faith. And I want you all to just know that when he speaks to me, um, it overwhelms me. And I, it's been a while now, and I couldn't come up here and talk about it because I would just cry. But um, I just I thank you guys for letting me share with you, and I hope God speaks to you guys through this. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That good. That kind of faith that uh, decides to step out, it really doesn't inspire other people. And I think a lot of times we sit and we wait and we get frozen where we're at, uh, and we're not sure what the next step is. We're uncertain how to hear God's voice. And uh, I, as, even as Rick was talking, it just reminds me that oftentimes if, if you want to hear God's voice, the best thing to do is to get involved in places where he's at work. And suddenly you will discover you're alive to the Lord and he's alive to you. Uh, and many times it just requires a step of, of involvement. And there's so many places uh, for you to be involved in. Uh, and I just want to encourage you to do that even as Rick did. Uh, so, so good. As we do that, we will truly be people who will ignite contagious faith in the one God who restores all. Because God is in the business of restoring. Thank God. He's not going to leave us the way that we are. Now, the values that we've been looking at in this series, uh, there are many values that we have in the church, but five that we have been reminding ourselves of uh, during this season are, are written there. Jesus is everything, people matter, that we're Holy Spirit-led, authentic community, and, and transform lives. And week by week, we kind of have been refreshing these values in ourselves. And this week, really, I'm, I'm supposed to talk about two values, but I'm going to break my own rules and only talk about one. Uh, transform lives on authentic community are the two that, that were slated for this week. I'm going to spend most of my time on transform lives, uh, but I just want to highlight how the two, those, those two values really do fit together. Uh, that as we are transformed uh, in the image of Christ, uh, we begin uh, to see the importance of his church and the importance of community. We can't help but want to tell other people about the work that God has done in our life as he transforms us. And we begin to draw people together in the life of the church, uh, and we want to see them changed and, and encouraged. And similarly, as you get into authentic community in groups and uh, in service together at a church, what you find is you'll find a group of people who are excited about their faith, 
who are inspired to move forward, who can encourage you to also take steps forward. And that level of authentic community where we challenge one another, we encourage one another, we love one another, we serve one another, that actually inspires us to change, inspires us to keep stretching and to keep growing, to keep reaching out for the things that, that Jesus has for us. Uh, and so those two things really go hand in hand. As you are changed, you recognize your need for community. As you're in community, you recognize your need for change, uh, and, and it becomes a self-reinforcing uh, process. And, and that's one of the reasons why we do small groups. Uh, we call them journey groups. Of course, you heard about them just a moment ago. We've got the big display in the lobby. This is the time when we're relaunching our groups, February, the week of February 12th. Uh, they, they begin once again. There's so many different types of groups. There's one about hearing God's voice. Uh, there's, there's, there's ladies' groups. There's men's groups. There's, there's different studies at different times, lots of different things going on. When you get into a group, maybe you've never done that before, when you get into a group, uh, even though it's a leap of faith, uh, you'll discover there's people in there uh, that you need in your life uh, and, and that they need you. Uh, you'll discover there's people who are on the journey with you, uh, and uh, they will inspire you, and you can inspire them, and it becomes a, a powerful thing. Koinonia itself means the word, the Greek word, the in-depth sharing of our lives. That is, in fact, authentic community. It's where we're not trying to impress people based on what we, how we look or the words that we use. Let us not be, uh, that's not our attempt. We're not trying to be some kind of a society where we're trying to impress one another about how good we are. What we're actually trying to do is be authentic. Hey, this, we're real people. We're moving uh, in real life. We're dealing with real life situations. You've got brokenness in your life. I got brokenness in my life. I got a family. There's all kinds of things that happen in family. I've got a job, all kinds of, as we gather together with people who are also journeying through life, we discover, ah, this is why God made the church the church. He made the church a family to love me and to love me into wholeness. Now, I want to talk to you about transformation for the next few minutes. Uh, and I've, I have an outline for you if you want to follow along uh, on your phone or, or digital device. You can do that. You go to the Church Center app and down to the More tab, and you'll see outlines. If you click on it, it'll be a digital fill-in-the-blank outline. I want to encourage you also, if, if you don't do that, that you would take some notes this morning. I'm going to share with you seven thoughts about change and transformation. Uh, and I'm going to move fairly quickly through them, but I think they'll be powerful for us uh, today because I believe that transformation is actually what we're called to. Uh, and we're not called to just a little bit of change. We're not called just to change a few things in our lives, but Jesus is actually calling us into being transformed into something uh, that is uh, noticeably different from where we were in the past. Uh, I put a little definition here, the word transform uh, is defined as making a thorough or dramatic change in the form, appearance, or character of. It's not just a glow up that we're talking about. Glow up, you guys are familiar with that. So it's supposed to be really cute, right? It's not just a glow up. What we're actually talking about is a transformation. Uh, we're talking about something that is so different that people have to do a double take at you and go, wait, wait a second, Did, weren't you, what, are, are you, are you the same person? Now, there's something so markedly different about you that the world uh, takes notice. Let me just read a, a, a further description to you because I, I want to spend a, just a moment here. For the Christian, the word transformation means something very specific. We're not talking about self-help. 
We're not talking about positive thoughts. All those, that's all good. And, and I believe that we, we need to do those types of things, encourage ourselves, say good things to ourselves, you know. All. But what we're talking about as Christians, we believe in the transformation power of the Spirit of God that works from the inside out. And there are some things that you will never be able to overcome in your life unless you actually encounter Christ and he encounters you. And there's, there's no amount of self-help, there's no amount of positive self-talk that's actually going to be able to take you to a place of transformation until you come and bow at the feet of Jesus and allow him to do the work that he needs to do to break us in some areas of our lives, to empower us, to push through, to move and to change us in ways that we can't do ourselves. And this is what I'm talking about this morning is not just some nice points that would tell us if you do this, this, and this, one, two, and three, suddenly you're going to be magically different. What I'm talking about is encountering the person of Jesus, coming to him and saying, Jesus, unless you change me, I don't have any help. And unless you give me your power, because I've tried it all by myself, I'm not going to be able to get through it. And he is faithful every single time to actually do the thing that he said he will do. So this is what Tyndale Bible Dictionary says. It says, transformation is an inward renewal and reshaping of the mind. We have to remember that the mind is critical here because the mind is where our thought life is. And if our thought life doesn't change, you know, your whole life actually flows from your thoughts. Uh, the proverb says, as a man thinks, so is he, right? And so it all begins, it begins in your thoughts. James, the first chapter of James actually teaches us that lust begins with your thoughts, with your mind. That's, that's ultimately where it all begins. And so the process of transformation has to do with the mind. That's why we say read the Word of God as often as you can. Get into it every day because when you encounter the Word of God and you get it into your mind, it will begin to wash you. It will begin to contradict the false ideologies of the world, the teachings that sound good, but, but that are a mixture of truth with error. And as we come and encounter the thoughts of God, he comes and he begins to change our thoughts. Paul says, take every thought captive. We're actually supposed to not live, let our minds be in neutral to go wherever they want. We're actually bringing our minds into subjection under the rulership of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's where transformation happens. But if you just let your mind just go wherever you want, you're going to find yourself in trouble. So it's reshaping the mind through which a Christian's inner person is changed into the likeness of Christ. Paul told the Roman believers, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. As, one, as one's Christian life progresses, the person should, be gradually, should gradually notice that his or her thought life is being changed, look at this, from Christlessness to Christ-likeness. Now, many of you in the room, you, you would be able to raise your hand and say, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Now, over the years, when I look back, I see evidence in my life of transformation. I was, I was not like Christ in this area, and now I'm learning. I'm learning to be more giving, more loving, more forgiving. I'm finding that God has actually transformed my thoughts. I'm no longer just going to anger. Now I'm going to a different place. I'm finding peace in place of a desire uh, to, to go to war. I'm finding that there is actually a desire for goodness and righteousness in my life. That's Christ-likeness. That's what we're called to do. Transformation does not happen overnight. Regeneration, I would love that. Wouldn't you love that? Yeah. One, if, if, if I would just say, Jesus, would you just, would you just fix me? 
Would you just fix me? Would you just, can, can you just do the thing, Lord, where you snap your fingers and suddenly everything is better? But the reality is that transformation doesn't happen overnight. It says regeneration is instantaneous. What is it talking about there? Regeneration is talking about salvation. It's talking about when you come under the blood of Jesus, you, you accept his sacrifice uh, that is sufficient to cover your sins. You say, Lord, I'm coming under your will and your way. I'm giving my life to you. That, then what he does is he gives you his Holy Spirit and his, he comes and sets up residence in the temple of your, yourself, your body, and he begins to live there and he regenerates your spirit so that now you're in communication with the Lord. There's no longer any barrier between you and him. You can begin to hear his voice when you pray. He hears your prayers. That's the result of regeneration. That's the result of salvation. It's instant. You are saved. You're going to heaven. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. But have you noticed you're still you and you've got a lot of problems? And there's some things that still need to change. There's some things that still need to come under submission, into subjection to the knowledge of Christ. There's still some ways that you're disobedient. There's still some fears that are pulling you in different directions. There's all kinds of stuff that's still going on. See, now, that is actually uh, transformation. That's the process of sanctification. That's a little-by-little little process of us continuing to come unto into Jesus and saying, Lord, what else would you like to adjust? What else, what else do you want? And, and he's so faithful to say, well, I want that. He said, oh, I don't want, I'm not so sure about that, Lord. I would, I would rather keep that one. I don't want you to mess with that thing, God. That I, I, did, I thought that was okay with, you know, in that I'm, I'm okay with it. Why are you not okay with it, Jesus? And he says, well, I'm not okay with it. And, and then we find little by little as we continue saying yes to him that we're little by little transformed into his likeness, looking more and more like him. Christians are transformed. We'll just finish this. Christians are transformed to Christ's image gradually as they spend time beholding him in intimate fellowship. The more you look at Christ, the more you look at his word, it's like a mirror that stands before you that begins to reflect and you, you see, oh, I'm out of alignment. There's some things that need to be dealt with. I need to adjust here or there. As we continue to behold him, that's why when we come into worship, oftentimes you've had this experience, you come into worship and at the moment you're worshiping, you realize, oh, I, I, did, I, sh I shouldn't have done that thing. I shouldn't have said that thing. I got a problem with an individual. I need to ask for forgiveness, right? That comes to you in worship. Why? You're beholding the face of Jesus, and his spirit begins to speak to us about ways that we're out of alignment. And, and that's actually the Lord. That's not just you being distracted. That's actually him saying, no, child, you need to deal with this thing. You say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do that. Something, you take a little notepad and you write it down, I'm going to deal with this, or you deal with it in that moment. Whatever it is, sometimes it's asking for forgiveness. That's the process of saying yes that will result in, in looking different in transformation. Eventually, they will begin to mirror the one they behold. The apostle John said it well, we can't even imagine what we will be like when Christ returns. But we do know that when he comes, we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. Transformation for the Christ follower is an inside-out process. It begins on the inside of your spirit, and through the Spirit of God, he begins to work, and he begins to change you from the inside out, change your motivations, change your thoughts, change the way that you are, are, are doing things. We, as human beings, we tend to work from the outside in. 
When we think about transformation, the only power that we really have as humans is to control the outside. So we make the mistake. We think, oh, well, let, let's, let's, let's dress up a little bit differently. Let's, let's make sure that we don't say the bad words. Let's make sure we say the right words and we act the right way. And, and we think that's transformation. But the reality is transformation for the Christ follower has to happen from the inside out because otherwise we're just controlling the outside without actually ever dealing with what's inside. And you understand what happens when you get angry, when you hit your thumb with a hammer, what comes from you is in that moment what's really inside of you. All the amount of trying to make yourself seem good is suddenly exposed because it's a failure at the end of the day. The outside-in process does not actually deal with your heart. Jesus said you're actually like whitewashed tombstones. You can make them look really good, but until you deal with the inside, you're just rotten to the core. Uh, and and it's, it's his call for us. What we, we like to do the outside-in. That's why we have prisons. Right? That's why we have jails. We'll control people's uh, behavior. We'll control their location. We'll restrict them from the outside in. Parents, if you're not careful, your parenting will be an outside in parenting. And for the first couple of years, it works really good. Right? You can control your kid where they're at, what they do, what they watch. You can control everything as long as they're little and then suddenly they become teenagers and suddenly you have no more control. And you go, oh my Lord, what have I done? Well, what you've done oftentimes is not dealt with the heart. You're not, you have, actually haven't parented their heart because the heart ultimately is going to decide how we behave. If we deal with the heart, the outside will take care of itself. But if we just deal with the outside, we discover we haven't dealt with the things that we need to deal with. I want to read to your text for today, Mark chapter 5, if you want to turn there. I'm going to read to you 20 verses. It's, it's the entire story. Uh, it's a fascinating story. It's the story of the Gerasene demoniac. Uh, I, I've taught this before, and so you may be familiar with the story, but this story has all the elements uh, that make it exciting, right? We got a man with a bunch of demons uh, who's controlled by them. We got pigs that are committing suicide. We got screaming and yelling, and then we've got these people begging for Jesus to leave because he's freaked them out so much. So it's, it's a good story, uh, and I want to just use the rest of our time just to draw out some principles from it. Let me read it to you. They came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled. Wouldn't you run at that point? I think so. And told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. 
And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. Very quickly, let me give you some points. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. First of all, Jesus is the one who initiates. When it comes to transformation, it starts with Jesus. He's the first mover. We might think sometimes mistakenly that we actually reached out for Christ, but truly Christ first reached out for us. The scripture says that when we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we were still enemies with God, he came and he, be, and he took on flesh and he lived among us. Even when we were uninterested in him, he took the first step towards us. Verse 1 said, they came to the other side of the sea. And I just want to tell you that Jesus will enter into your mess, not vice versa. Jesus has decided that he's always going to come towards you. He's always going to make himself available to you. And even when we're running in the other direction, we will find that he's right there patiently waiting for us, patiently waiting for the opportunity for him to actually do the work that he needs to do in our lives. And the truth is we need him because we need change. We need Jesus to actually step in because we are messed up. And the moment that we think we're not messed up, I think is the moment that we are comfortable. We're too comfortable with our lives. We're too comfortable with where we're at. We have stopped listening to the voice of the Father. We've stopped allowing him to convict us of sin, to convict us of those things that are out of alignment with him. And if we will simply listen, he will say to us, yep, here's another step for you to take because there is transformation for each and every one of us. Secondly, everyone can change. This is the good news. Everyone can change. Certainly this story is a story of powerful transformation of a man that's very unique, right? I mean, this is a wild story. I mean, he's filled with demons. We don't know how many. There's so many. They're called legion, right? He's out of control. It says that, that uh, he had an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. I mean, this guy is out of control. He's got a spirit that is unclean, which means it's a spirit that's constantly seeking to defile him, to make him dirty. And the enemy wants to try to make you defiled. He wants to try to make you dirty by getting you involved in things that will actually mess you up. That will, there, there's, there's sin, and then there's sin that defiles you. It's the kind of sin that is, is like dirty, and you can't get it off of you. And it makes you feel so much shame, and it makes you feel so much rejection, even from yourself. How could I do that? How did I get involved in that? That's that unclean thing that then you have become involved with that we need to be delivered from if we find ourselves in that thing. God, would you deliver me from that unclean spirit that's constantly seeking to defile us? right? And he's living among the tombs. He's living among the dead, the things of the past. He's, he's not even around normal people anymore. He's so lost in his sin. He's so lost in his situation that he can't seem to get out. Now, that in and of itself is amazing. We're talking about the fact that Jesus can save that kind of person. 
right? Jesus can transform any kind of person. There is no situation that he can't step into and restore. But I think we have to be careful to just think about this story as some extreme situation about an extreme person. Let's make it personal for a moment. What things in your life that you have, that have been so broken for so long that you have given up on the hope of transformation? When we say Jesus can change anyone, it also means he can change you. It means he can change that thing that you've been facing that you keep coming back to, that addiction or that habit pattern or that style of life or whatever it is that just keeps coming after and you've prayed and you've asked and you've tried and you've tried to break out of it and it seems like you just find yourself right back with it. Or maybe there's a situation that's broken in your life, broken in your relationships or broken in your world or a family member they just can't figure out. It's just like you're just ready to give up on it. You just have no more hope or faith that Jesus is actually able to transform. And at some point, a lot of times what we do is we just begin to live with the brokenness and accept it and stop even expecting that Jesus can do anything about it. And I just want to stir you up today that, that Jesus is able to transform that he's able to change. He's able to take you wherever you're at. He's able to take that situation, no matter how broken, no matter how many times you found yourself right back in that same thing, that he is actually a God who steps into those situations and he'll bring life. There is, in fact, hope for change, hope for restoration for you, for your family, for this community. Sometimes we look at the community and we think, man, how could God actually do anything in this world? It just seems so broken. I want to tell you, we serve a God of transformation, of hope, of change. The kingdom of God is unshakable. It's moving forward in the earth. The kingdom is going to win. The enemy is not going to win. The gates of hell will not prevail against the enemy. And so when we have that kind of faith and expectation, then we walk with a sense of, you know what, God, I haven't seen it yet, but I know I'm going to see it. I haven't seen it yet, God, but I'm not going to get up. I don't understand why I haven't overcome it, but Lord, I'm still reaching out for victory. I'm still reaching out for healing. I'm still reaching out for life. I'm going to keep reaching out because I know I serve a God who is going to change things. Number three, there will always be times we don't want to change. Isn't that true? There will always be times when we don't want to change. In this story, in verse 6, it says, When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you, I beg you, right? He's asking for a solemn oath, don't torment me. It's almost as if the man is concerned that it's going to be so torturous to be set free. The pain is going to be so great that he's just worried, God, would you please, would you not, would you, would you not just make it worse than it already is? And I think a lot of times in our life, we have made a deal with the enemy. We have made a deal with a habit pattern. We have made a deal with an addiction. And we're able to manage it at a certain level because it seems so painful to be able to actually go to another place to get set free. Maybe the pain is because we tried before and we failed. Or maybe the pain is like, I don't want to be even, I can't even talk about this. It's so painful. For whatever reason, oftentimes we're counseled by the fear of pain more than we are by faith for restoration and deliverance. And, and the demoniac is like, he comes up and it's so funny because he throws himself at Jesus' feet. And at the same time, he's throwing himself at his feet for hope. He's saying, God, please don't hurt me. Right? And isn't that what we do? But the, what the great thing is, you, gotta th you just got to keep throwing yourself at his feet. You got to say, Lord, I, I don't know, whatever the pain is, 
I know that you're the kind of God that's not going to give me pain without actually giving me hope. On the other side of difficulty, there's restoration. It's worth whatever temporary pain it might be. It's kind of like some of you need to go to the doctor, but you're so afraid of the little pain that you're going to get, or maybe it's a lot of pain. But the, the, what he does, what the doctor does, is something that's beneficial for you, so the, t- the pain is actually something that results in a better thing. And then you go, why was I so afraid? Why did I wait? And isn't that the truth? When you come to Jesus and, and you, you finally bring that thing to him, every time I've done that, I've, and, and I've been counseled by my fears, and said, I'm not going to listen anymore. I'm going to finally come clean. I'm going to finally take it to the Lord. And I know it's going to be painful. And on the other side, I go, why was I so afraid? And any pain was so worth it. It takes us to, to number four, change always comes with a cost. Verse 13 says, so he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now, we could say a lot of things about this, but I'll just, just make this comment. Those pigs were probably worth about $250,000. Uh, there was a cost that was associated with the freedom that the man had. But there's a cost associated with transformation in general. Jesus Christ gave himself at the cross for us. Right? The Son of God came and gave his life for us. Any change right, begins with the cost that Jesus paid. And the, I just want you to know this. The devil is not going to go to give up easily on his determination to destroy your life in every way he can. He, he is committed to do whatever he can to get you to live at a less than level than what God has. And he has paid the, Jesus has paid the price for you. He's actually made a way for you. But there is going to be such opposition to your growth and transformation and movement. There's such opposition because it just always seems like, man, I don't know if I want to pay the price of the pain that's going to come in order for me to be changed. And I just want you to know it's, it's, it's worth it. There is, in fact pain in the cross of Jesus. The way of Jesus, the way of the followers of Christ is the way of the cross. It's the way of pain. It's the way of death. When when, when we are going to enter into a place of transformation, it begins with us saying, Lord, I die once again to my desires. I die once again to my way. I die once again to my anger. I die once again to my right to be, uh, to, to, to be unforgiving and not to release. I die once again to my selfishness. I die once again, Lord, to my flesh and the desires of the flesh. It's the way of pain. It's a painful thing. But if we continue to go to the cross and enter in to death, the death of Christ, we will see the resurrection of Jesus that's going to happen inside of us. It is a costly way, but it is the way that we are called to go. I don't know what you're facing that you need to put on the cross. I don't know what you're facing that you need to die to. I don't know what you're facing that seems painful to you because he's, the Lord's asking and you're going, I don't know if I can give that up, Lord. It seems so painful. I just want to tell you as you continue to nail it to the cross that he's actually going to come and he's going to change you and he's going to bring power for transformation. Number five, I got to wrap this up. We're out of time. When Jesus changes you, people notice. When Jesus changes you, people notice. It says that they saw the man that was formerly demon-possessed clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. I want you to know this. Your transformation is your testimony. Your transformation is your testimony. More than what you know of the scriptures, more of what you can argue and win an argument in the public square, your transformation, your testimony is where the power is. And the truth is, if you're not growing, if you're not changing, if you're not transforming, there's not much to see. 
right? You don't have much of a story, which is why, which is why it's all about us continuing to move forward towards Jesus and allowing him to change us. But people that are, have been transformed by Jesus, they're beautiful. And I, I see it every week. I see it on people's faces that, that have come and have been set free from the tormentor and from the oppressor. I see it in marriages and spouses that, 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 that they were divided and now they're united because the miraculous power of Jesus has come in and transformed the marriage. I, I see it on people as they come in and they, and they serve out of, out of just their, their worship to God, knowing, Lord, out of gratefulness, I got to do something just to say thank you for what you've done in my life. And it's a beautiful thing. Don't ever disregard your testimony, because it really is a thing that has power. That takes us to number six, change comes with responsibility. If you've been transformed, there's actually now a responsibility that you and I have of sharing that with other people. Jesus tells the demoniac, hey, you need to go and you need to tell. You need to tell your friends. You need to tell them about the goodness of God that has been displayed to you, that he's, he's actually poured out his goodness on you. I want to read this because I wrote, I think it's important. If you keep your mouth shut because you don't know enough, oftentimes that's, that's what we do. We feel like we don't know enough. They're going to, I'm going to start talking about Jesus. They're going to ask me a question that I don't have the answer to. I'm going to have, I need to study more. I need to know more. And, and before you know it, we just keep our mouth shut because we're, we're concerned that we don't know enough. But if we keep our mouth shut because you don't know enough, then you don't understand the order of things. Your qualification is found in your experience of the transformation of Christ, not in your knowledge of Scripture. And believe me, I, I believe we need to know the Scripture. I want you to study more. I want you to, but, but if you wait until you know everything, then you won't have anything to share. The truth is, is when the Lord does something in you, you just share it. You just tell people, look what God has done in my life. I used to be this way, now I'm that way. I ain't perfect, I've got a long ways to go, but man, I can see what he's doing and I gotta tell you about it. Number seven is the last one. There's always more change ahead. There's always more transformation ahead. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. See, there's a process that the Lord has taken us through. There's a transformation that we're actually becoming more and more like Jesus. We're looking more and more like him. And no matter how far we've gone, there's always more territory to go. The moment that I think I got, some, I, I, I got something, right? I, oh, I, oh, yeah, I, I did that one. I, I won in that area. Thank you, Lord, you gave me the victory. He, he just says, well, how about that right there, Andrew? What about that attitude? What about that thing? And, and, and there's always more territory for us to take. The journey that we're on of becoming more like Christ is a lifelong journey. Whether you're in it for the first year or you've been in it for 50 years or more, we will all discover there's always more transformation ahead. There's always more beauty that God wants to share with us. And I have hope, and I want you to have hope and faith that the good work that he began, he's going to complete it that he's not done with the work in your life. He, he, he sees you where you're at, and maybe you're looking at yourself and you're saying, I, I, I don't know if I really have any, any more left in me. It just doesn't seem like I've grown anymore. I just want, I want once again, to, to have you reach out with faith and say, Lord, you can take me to the next level. You, you, you can help me overcome this thing. Lord, I, I don't want to stagnate. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to be the same tomorrow as I am today. I want to come before you. I want to put my put myself at your feet and say, Lord, would you change me? 
I give you permission, God, to point out whatever you want in my life. I give you permission to break me in the areas that need to be broken, to correct me in the areas that need to be corrected. Lord, would you just take my life and, and would you begin to adjust it according to your will? Boy, that, that's, that's when transformation begins to happen. When we see those things, we say, I can't do that by myself. He says, I don't expect you to do it by myself, by yourself. I expect you simply to cooperate with me because he's the one with the power. He's the one that says to the legion, get out, let him go. Would you stand to your feet? Let me pray for you. Go ahead and close your eyes just for a moment and just begin to speak to the Lord just kind of quietly in your own heart, just in this moment. Jesus, we want to be a people that would be changed by you. We're coming here to this place, Lord, not to stay the same. We're not coming here just to get some nice feelings. We're coming actually to have an encounter with the risen Savior with the power of Jesus. And so, Lord, we're just seeking you right now. We're just asking, God, that you would give us faith to reach out for those areas, Lord, that you want to adjust. Reach out for those areas of breakthrough that need to happen. Reach out for those areas, Lord, that, that need to be broken before you. And God, God, would you today you give us a new, a new understanding of the way that you're working. Lord, forgive us for giving up so easily. Forgive us, Lord, maybe for making a deal with, with the enemy or, or just sort of deciding oh, that's a situation I guess God's not just going to change. It could be in our own life or in our family or someone we know. Lord, would you once again inspire our faith? Would you once again help us to see the way that you see, that you're a God who's making all things new. You're restoring all things. And so, Lord, we just pray right now that we would be a people of restoration, a people of transformation, a people of the supernatural, a people that would be empowered by the Spirit of God. Lord, we're just reaching out this morning. You might even, if the Lord's speaking to you at a, about a particular area where you've given up, it might be in your life, it might be a situation, it might be a family member or someone you know about, it might be an attitude about something that's going on in the world, and you just have given up and you realize that right now. Just raise your hand and say, yeah, I acknowledge that, Lord. I've given up in that area, and I'm reaching out for faith. I'm reaching out for hope. I'm reaching out for change. I'm, I'm, I'm changing, Lord, right now my mind to line up with your thoughts, that you're a God who changes things. You're a God of breakthrough. You're a God who makes things new. Lord, would you make us a people who would walk every day to look more and more like you? Do this, Lord. Make this church, make our families, make this community a place that is beautiful because you have changed us. You've changed us to look more and more like you. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at kchamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.